Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Good morning. This is Garage coming to you live in your home. Thanks for joining us. I know you've already sanitized those hands. And I know that uh, you're using cutlery to eat. But welcome. Welcome to Garage. It's so good to come to your homes. Uh, we, we've been looking forward to this day for a long time. We always thought this is going to happen. We just didn't think it was going to happen like this. But it's happened anyway, so we thank God. So welcome, welcome. And uh, in the season, one wonders, how, how, how do we communicate effectively the word of God? And that's exactly what we're going to do because God's word is for all seasons, for all people, for all times. And is not, you know, doesn't fail. Come on, people. So I'm just taking some time to let you keep gathering all our hosts, garage hosts, missional community leaders and other hosts. Thank you so much for hosting Garage this morning. You're making a huge difference in the lives of people. When men's hearts fail them because of what's happening in the world, the word of God is what they need right now. So thank you for hosting them and being a part of this revolution. Do you want a revolution? I said, did you want a revolution? Revolution is what you want. Revolution is what you get right now. Anyway, yeah. So, tell your neighbor, be bold. Have faith. Fear not. So what happens is that, uh, I've been trying to think about where this influence came from, but... I come from a family of six, and I'm the last born. And all my siblings, for some reason, they did literature in school. All of them, except me. So they all did literature. So they would come home during the holiday, and they would start talking about things fall apart. what? And and I I just kept feeling felt out, left out, not felt out, left out. So what happened is that when I went to school, finally when I left the village and went to boarding school, in Oliver I spent a lot of my time in the library reading history books even though I didn't take history. That's why I'm knowledgeable about the Second World War. Incredible. Because I read everything about it. And then when I went to high school, I was doing PEM art, that's physics, economics, mathematics, and fine art. But I spent a lot of my time in the school library reading books, story books, novels. And so I don't know when I read this book, but across the time, I came across a book called The Kontiki Expedition by a Norwegian author whose name is complicated. So let's leave it. Just remember The Kontiki Expedition. So I happened to read this book. The book is about a group of crazies that decided to cross a certain sea using... Uh, a raft, and a raft that doesn't have any sort of motorization, didn't have an engine, didn't have a, well, it's just a raft. 
uh, for those who are not familiar with that word, just imagine a flat thing, you know, and made of a certain type of wood because they wanted to prove that they could cross that sea with that raft unaided. It was really rough. Now, they made it barely, but I remember one of the descriptions in the book is when they had the worst storms at sea. This many years later, and I'm still young, that, that's the part that still sticks out. And this is how he explained it, because this raft was about uh, 30 maybe feet by 30 feet. So it, was a, it wasn't a huge raft. It was a small, maybe 20 feet by 20 feet raft. And this guy describes the time that came when they were experiencing such storms. And some of these storms were 30 feet high. The, the waves were 30 foot high waves. Now, I, I need you to kick your imagination into action right now. So imagine that you live at an apartment which is three floors. If you don't live there, you've visited one. Just imagine three floors. And 30 feet would be typically the, the height between the ground floor and the top of the apartment block. So I want you to imagine with me that one second you are on top of the apartment block and the exact next second you're on the ground floor and then the next second you're on top and then the next second you're on the ground like that. So when Paul writes about them not seeing the sun for 14 days in the book of Acts when they hit the storm, that's what he's talking about because there there is no sun. At one point, you can see the whole sea. Of course, no land inside. The next thing you're seeing is just you're surrounded by water. So it goes, for days. Now, how many of you know at that point, you shouldn't eat anything? Or if you ate anything, it already came out. That was the story of the Kontiki expedition. I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those who willingly looks for boats to take rides. I get on a boat because it's a necessary step for transportation to the next place. Now, I'm not the Kontiki type. People would just want to prove a point. I'm not. So when I use a boat, I put on a vest and hope for the best. I'm like, you know, whatever happens, I know how to swim a little bit. So let's do it. But I'm not excited. I'm not like, but here we go now. And sometimes life feels like that. As we're going to find out, there were these men, they were skilled fishermen. And their boss, who was a carpenter, asked them to get onto a boat. And for them, it was the usual thing to do. You, you get onto a boat, you go. They didn't have border borders and cars. But they didn't know what was about to come. And for some of us at an individual level, and maybe for some at a family, business, organizational, and even national level, that's what's happening. I can tell you globally, that's what's happening. Stocks have tumbled. Airlines have grounded their fleets. Nations have shut borders. In Uganda now, you can't come. It doesn't matter whether you're Ugandan or not. No arrivals either by air, water, land. You can't even come on foot. Shut 
lockdown. This is a national lockdown. Our neighbors in Rwanda, you can't even go from one town to another. You can't go from one district to another. That's how things are right now. So globally, we are... And so I think it's a good time to look at this text. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Let's give me 35. It says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when it says on the same day, that's the day Jesus had been teaching for a full day. He had been, some of you I know, you think that those of us whose work involves speaking, you think it's, you just get up and speak and, and go. <laughs> uh, those who do a lot of speaking know what I'm talking about. Now, when you are teaching for a whole day, it's different. This is when he taught the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed, the parable of the how a man, whatever. He taught so many different parables in one day. And so, evening came and he was tired. And he says, let us cross over to the other side. And for many of us, that's how usually the story starts. You're living your life and Jesus comes and says, let's start a business. Let's marry this woman. Let's marry this man. Let us start this family. Let us plant a church. Let us, give me more, cross over to the other side. Let us adopt this child. Let's have a baby. Jesus comes, and because it is Jesus, how many of you know when it's Jesus telling you, let us, you're like, <laughs> of course, this is good. Jesus has spoken to me. We're going to do great stuff. Let us cross over to the other side. When Jesus tells you to get into the boat and cross over, and you are even a fisherman. That's not a big deal. So they got into the boat, verse 36. Now, so they got in the boat and went. Now it says, now when they had left the multitude. First stop there. When they had left the multitude. Jesus had been teaching for a whole day and there were lots of people, great multitudes. Sometimes going with Jesus means leaving the multitude. In fact, I don't know any time when he calls you together with a multitude. That's actually always one of the biggest mistakes people make is they get married and they want to stick with their single friends. When you get married, you need to get married friends. Because now that's the other side. <laughs> The multitude of single friends must be left deserts because they will have no clue when you try to converse to them what you're going through. They'll just be like, have you seen a counselor? Kumbe, the stuff you're going through is what people go through normally. It's just normal stuff. But because you've got a pebble and you've brought it so close to your eye, it looks like a large mountain. How many of you know if you bring a small pebble close to your eye, you can't see anything? And that's what most people do with problems, including this coronavirus issue. A lot of the people, they are so far from it, but they are, they are running scared. Now, you don't need to run scared. Take cautions, be wise, but don't. Fear, fear doesn't add any value to your life. 
regardless of the situation. Anyway, they had to leave the multitude. That's the point I need, I need to make right now. Some of you need to leave the multitude. Look, your friends from P3, 40 years have gone by, okay? 30 years have gone by. You're still with the multitude. Some of you just can't make progress in life because of the multitude. You want to marry the girl, but you want every clan member to agree with you first. It's not going to happen. You have to leave the multitude to fulfill God's... In fact, God is so tactical in this issue, he never calls a man and he brings him along with the crowd. Never. The one guy who made the mistake to bring along someone else was Abraham who brought Lot. And Lot became a liability. Lot became a lot of problems. Some of you are carrying lots along. God says, let's do this. You bring a lot. Let's marry. You bring a lot. Let's start business. You bring a lot. You must leave the multitude. God has never used a man who never left the multitude behind. Right from Abraham, even Joseph had to, by force, leave the multitude and go to Egypt. Samson had to leave the multitude. David had to leave the multitude. No single person has ever been used by God while he's clinging to the things and the people that he thinks he needs to succeed. Because if you succeed with the multitude, you think it's the multitude which did it and not God. So they left the multitude. They took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. That's... 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, when Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side, he didn't give them the weather forecast. He didn't say, let us cross over to the other side. Boys, there shall be a storm. Because there's a great windstorm arose, in other words, when they were leaving, it wasn't there. People's marriages don't get into trouble at the start. Business doesn't get into trouble at the start. At first, it's ideas, imaginations, you're doing your best projections, you're like, hey, to get the color scent. And then you realize China is shut down. Container in China, the storm arises. What do you do now? As long as we are in this life and on this planet, storms will arise. The point is not whether there is a storm in your life or not. The point is whether you're equal to the storm. Are you equal to the storm? Some guy wrote on his Twitter hand and said that the storm came and then it found out he was the storm. <laughs> My goodness. Someone needs to hear this. The great... <laughs> The, the storm comes not knowing it is coming towards the storm. A great windstorm arose anyway. I need to keep going so that we get to the point I'm about to make. So, so when you get a storm in your life, don't 
cry chicken little, the sky is falling. Don't think you are the only one. Anytime you're driving on the streets of Kampala, I want you to imagine that almost everyone you see is going through some storm of sorts. It's just the different sizes of storm and their capacity to contain and to subdue the storm. There is no successful person who has never gone through a storm. Not a single one. Zero. In fact, the only way to avoid storms is to be a nobody in life. Just don't push against anything. And Romark says that if you have never run into the devil, you're probably moving in the same direction. And every dead fish swims downstream. I'm preaching better than you're listening. Say amen right there in that house. So a storm arose and the boat was already feeling already. How many of you know the worst place to have water is in the boat? Boats are designed to keep water out. So when you have water in, the story is changing. It's not the story you were told before you crossed over. When the boat is feeling, that wasn't the proposal when he went on one knee and said, will you marry me? No, there is no water there in the boat. At that point, the boat is not even in the water. You're on the land. The boat is what? Feeling. Honey, where are you? Why are you asking? The boat is feeling. You know, you know, marriage is in trouble when conversation is in question format. I need translate, translation for that on the screen. So, you know, a great summer rose, but here is the funny part. <laughs> so, here is the funny part. Meanwhile, remember, you are with Jesus. Some people's interpretation of being with Jesus is no storm. So, when they see some custom, they think Jesus has left the group. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, I'll, I'll never leave you, no, forsake you. But for you, I've the most, what I'll be like a storm like this. Jesus, where are you? Where are you? Jesus, Jesus is right there in that boat that is already feeding with water. He's there. Now, some people think now that the coronavirus has arrived in Uganda, God has left. Or wherever it was, whatever causing chaos, that God is not there. God is there, and God is working, and God is in it with us, and he's in it to win it. <laughs> and if God is in it to win it, you'd better be in it to win it. Take me to verse 38. We are, we are, get, this, uh, we are setting ourselves up for the appropriate response. In other, I'm saying storms shall come. John Maxwell in his book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, says there's the, one of the laws is the law of pain. Mm. Good management of bad experiences leads to growth, great growth. Good management of bad experiences leads to great growth. Bad experiences, everyone has them. No one wants them. Some grow through them 
others just go through them. But he was in the stern, in the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Some other versions say they cried out to him. Now, it's now our imagination has to come into the picture. You are in a storm. Storms that fill boats are not small, minor storms. This is Kontiki stuff. One moment, all you see around you is water. You are as if you are in a, a basin and you are an insect. Now imagine you are, in, you are in a basin or in a pail and you are an ant. All you are seeing is blue. Blue. Assuming the pail is blue. <laughs> then the next moment, it's as if they flipped the pail upside down and you are on top. And then the next second, you are in the bottom of the pail. Then you are on top of the pail. Then... That's what's happening here. That's why skilled fishermen, because at least four of Jesus' disciples were skilled fishermen. Skilled fishermen were crying out and talking to a carpenter about a storm situation. That's not good. Yeah. Like if you go to your doctor and he starts crying... <laughs> you're like I've come for treatment then your doctors you just see the doctor's eyes starting to get wet and tears coming down like this you'd better have a wheel that is updated that's not a good sign so if you're in a group <laughs> and then the most skilled rowers and handlers of the boat are now looking for the people who have no, nothing to do with boats saying, too far. Too far, wherever I So he was, you know, asleep on a pillow. Bill Johnson says that the only storm you have authority over is the one you can sleep in. <laughs> The only storm you can have authority over is the one you can sleep in. What do you think the fishermen were doing? You think they were there also asleep? You, you know, they tell us, do what Jesus does. In, when, in, when in trouble, do what Jesus does. Like, he's sleeping on a pillow? Get a pillow, sleep. No! They were throwing water off that boat like crazy. Come on, throw the water! Away. We are going down! Throw the water! Throw the water! Throw the water! Throw the water! Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Throw the water, throw the water, throw the water, lest the boat sinks. Throw the water, throw the Andrew, throw the water, lest the Peter, throw John, Bartholomew, everybody. Everyone was throwing the water. It was time to throw. Do you know? This is exactly how people are reacting in this coronavirus thing. They are throwing water. Everyone is like, I'm drinking water. I don't know. 
Now, when the fishermen, the skilled laborers in that field are the ones leading the panic campaign, in other words, when the Christians, the skilled laborers of faith, are the ones leading in the panic campaign, heaven is wondering what to do next. Because they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He's sleeping on a pillow. Do you not care that we are perishing? How many times do you go to God and you're like, God, do you not care? You know, sometimes life can you put you in a place where your prayer life is a do you not care type of prayer. Do you not care? Do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? In their minds, God is unaware that your husband didn't come back. God is unaware that you haven't paid your rent for two months. God is unaware that you just got fired. God, you, you make these assumptions about God. That God is as uncaring as we human beings can be sometimes. Do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> can you imagine being Jesus? You're there having a good nap in an, in an evening. Meanwhile, the boat is what? 20 feet up, 20 feet down. Like, who, who sleeps in that environment except if you really know who you are? Do you know what's disturbing you? It's not the storm. It's your identity. The storm is not the issue because the storm will always come. 20% of life is cause. 80% of life is response. It's all about response. Very little of your life and where you are now has to do with what has happened to you. The, 80% of what's happening in your life has to do with how you've responded to what has happened to you. Do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> I'm wondering how to go about this next part, but anyway, I'm going to go there. So he says in the next verse, so what does Jesus do? He doesn't join in the throwing water part. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the wind, Peace, be still, and the weed ceased, and there was a great calm. Isaiah 26 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. It doesn't say it doesn't say you'll keep him in perfect peace who does not go through storms. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. The storms are not constant. But the, your mind is always with you. And God is always with you. And it's not whose mind is sometimes cast upon you. No, stayed. Stay, you know staying? Like Sutta Guru. When your mind is fixated on Christ. I know I've sometimes lost my cool. And I know when I lose my cool, it's because I took my mind of Jesus and I put it on the Storm. That's exactly what happened to Peter when Jesus told him, come, and he started walking. As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on water. People criticized Peter for sinking, but he's the only one who has ever done it. 
All the others who have tried, they have, they have sunk. So Peter is walking on water, real walking on water, but the water is boisterous. It is stormy. And then for a moment, he took his mind off Jesus and started looking at the water. And he started going down. And Jesus picked him up and said, you should have believed. So your mind is always with you. And you can always keep it on Jesus. And he'll give you perfect peace. Let me ask you a question, guys who are watching us online right now. Would you describe your current status as perfect peace? Watching all that news, constant negative news 24-7. When you wake up in the morning, you switch on the news. And your TV runs the news the whole day until you go to bed. And you're expecting peace. Mm -mm. You're not going to have peace. You're going to have unpeace. He says you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. John, John 14.27 John 14.27 says peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says something incredible. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, it's in your control to either let it or not let it be troubled. When this whole thing came of, okay, no more church gatherings. For a moment, I let my heart be troubled. And I started thinking, Mbuzi, whose church is it? Mbuzi, why are you troubled? Then I realized I had let. I had let my heart get troubled. I was carrying burdens I'm not supposed to carry. And I'm like, okay. This is good. Let's do this. Because I have a new identity. Let not your heart, do not let your heart be troubled. In other words, it's possible you can let it be troubled. Actually, the majority of the people, they let it be troubled. In fact, right now, most people in the world have let their heart be troubled. But he says you can decide to do it otherwise. Exodus 14, 14. Great scripture. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. Do you know what I mean, hold? Pastor Chris, come. Huh? So you're there with your peace. Your peace, then the enemy tries to steal your peace. You shall what? Hold. Who fights? The Lord fights for you. Who holds the peace? You. You. Some people want the Lord to hold their peace for them. He's not going to. This is power sharing agreement. You hold your peace, I'll fight for you. You let go of your peace, I have nothing to fight with. Thank you. 
So holding your peace, by the way, don't think you can just hold it casually like this. My peace. Some people even hold it in the direction of the devil. Like, devil, do you want some? The devil doesn't need your peace. He's a very peaceless being. He wants to steal it, and then he can't do anything useful with it. But he says, the Lord will fight for you, and your responsibility is to hold on to your peace. Hold on to it like life depends on it. That's why he says he rebuked the, 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 the water. Take me back to, to verse 39. He, he, verse 39. He, he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Do you know what happened? Is this. I have my own theory. And it's correct. <laughs> Jesus had peace on the inside. And as long as he had peace on the inside, all he, ever need, all he needed to do was what? Extend that peace to the environment. You can't give peace you don't have. Some of you need to grow your peace. You have very little peace. And so when, when, when you get a small pimple, you lose it. Moreover, the pimple is on the elbow. Come on. Don't <laughs> he said, peace be still. Jesus is not calling on peace from somewhere to come and take care of that water. The peace is from him. Him. He's not saying, Lake, have some peace. And right now you can say, husband, have some peace. Marriage, have some peace. Children, children, I have peace for you. Peace. Nation, have some peace. Church, have some peace. Timor, have some peace. Bithri, have some peace. Angela, have some peace. Mose, have some peace. Neighbor, have some peace. Those who are running scared because of coronavirus, I have news for you. I got peace. And I'm ready to give you some peace. Because when I give you some peace, that storm in your life is going to cease. Tell the neighbor, I'm a storm karma. And the guy they call on when there's a storm. My goodness. I'm starting to get excited all by myself right here in this studio. I'm the one they call in when there's a storm. Yay. Woo! John Maxwell says something really incredibly wise. He says, that in any situation, whether marriage, business, organization, name it, you're going to come across fires. And when you come across those fires, when you come across those fires, peace be still, peace be still. When you come across those fires, remember you're carrying two buckets. One bucket is full of petrol. One bucket is full of water. And as a leader, you're going to decide which bucket to pour on the fire. When you start forwarding all those WhatsApps about Simanyi who died where, whatever, hey, Simanyi COVID even can come through. Whatever. You're pouring what? Petrol, petrol. You're going around. You can't go around pouring petrol on fire and then praying to God 
to kill the fire. So you have two, two buckets. One is full of petrol, one is full of water, and you're going to decide which bucket you're going to deploy in that time. May you apply the bucket of water. Let me, let me teach you something really incredible right now. Let me teach you something. G- give, me, give me Philippians verse, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Stop there. Stop there. That's what most Christians try to do sometimes. They will pray, they will give thanks, they will petition. The next verse, when you understand it, the way I'm going to teach it in the next few seconds, is going to change your life forever. Once you've prayed properly and you've even put amen at, amen at the end of it, you really feel the spirit has moved. And you say, Amen. Guess what God gives you next? And the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You're like, I'm praying for rent. You're giving me peace. I'm praying for a husband. You're giving me peace. I'm praying for a husband to behave. You're giving me peace. I'm praying for children. You're giving me peace. I'm praying for genes. You're giving me peace. What's up, Lord? I'm praying for healing. You're giving me peace. Why does he give you peace instead of what you're praying for? Because when you're in peace, you can extend that peace to whatever it is you're praying for and calm it down. That's your responsibility. That's not God's responsibility because he has already given us everything that pertains to life and goodness. Everything you're asking God for, he already gave it long ago. That's why when you keep asking for it, he doesn't give it to you because he doesn't have it. You're the one with it, but you can't see it because you're in panic mode. So he's calming you down to say, slow down, it's right there. If you look to the left, it's there. Just, and then you go for more prayer. And he's like, Mwana wanki, kakana, kakane, kakane. Peace, peace. Be still. If you hold your peace, I have something to fight with. If you don't, I have nothing. That's why he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Rest is superior spiritual warfare. Rest is superior spiritual warfare. Sit at my right hand and let me make your enemies your footstool. If you're not seated and you're running after your enemies, I have nothing to do. Until you sit, I can't act. Some people are working so hard, God can't do anything. And he wants you to rest, so he starts working. Right here, he says... Whatever you're asking for is going to give you peace, which will surpass all understanding and it will guard your heart. Why? Says guard your heart from, from it flows there. It's so like once your heart is guarded, life starts flowing out of it. Once your guard is, heart is not guarded, life can't flow out of it. You'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm finishing. This is the first finish. I'm finished. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. <laughs> anyway, they cried out to him, but Jesus being Jesus, he did what he needed to do. He calmed down the storm, but he said to them, 
Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? My, my, my friend, <laughs> this doesn't sound empathetic at all. This sounds like the guy is so insensitive. Have you ever worked with those people? Totally insensitive. They're not sensitive to your feelings and the situation. You've just gone through a bad time. You're a skilled fisherman. You've been crying in the ocean. He should see that right now you need a little bit of empathy. And that's how most people want Jesus to respond. So can you imagine? This is, how, this is the most Christian's version of this story. It goes like this. Pastor Chris, come back. Mm -mm. So this is, this is Jesus. I'm now Jesus. Sorry, I have to be Jesus in this one. So fight, fight the storm. Fight the storm. Fight, fight. Fight. Meanwhile, I'm asleep on a pillow. Imagine this. The, the storm, this, I'm talking about Kontiki stuff. 20 feet up, 20 feet down. 20 feet up. Meanwhile, what's Jesus doing? Some of you can imagine Jesus snored. He died. Then even as that stuff coming down the side of his mouth, the white stuff. And then now Chris eventually figures out we are sinking. Zuk Muzukuse. Don't you care that we are perishing? Says like, wow, wow, peace, and those waves become like glass. So this is how most Christians thinking God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Chris. Oh, how could I have slept off in such a sensitive time? I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Next time, wake me up early before what? You know. Bambi. Oh, my disciples. Love them. Kale, you go away. My friend. That's how most Christians want Jesus to respond. What does Jesus say? And some people think this tone is, why are you so fearful? How is it that? No. Like, what? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Same situation when the disciples went to the, cast out that demon, they felt the, the boy who was thrown in water. And then he came and the guy said, your disciples, Bambi, they couldn't. Okay. He cast the thing out. And people were saying, so sorry, boys. I should have been down to handle that demon. That one is a hard demon. Like, how long shall I be with you? That's why I feel like that's how Jesus is speaking to the church right now. You've attended all these fellowships and services and Bible studies and prayer meetings and read all this and you're panicking? Where is your faith? How is that? You have no faith. Huh? <laughs> Some people want Jesus to empathize with their unbelief and be like, oh, my daughter, I understand. 
I understand the man is misbehaving. I understand the payment has delayed. I understand the pain is too much. I understand whatever it is. No, 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 no. But let me ask you, ever since you took on that attitude of being a victim, how much victory have you registered? I'm finishing. This is the second finish, right? Give me Revelation. Revelation 21.8. Look at these people who are being judged seriously. Together, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, that point here is, is really, they are talking about non-believers, not you, okay? But I just want you to see that murderers, sexually immoral, and sorcerers are in the same group as cowardly. Moreover, cowardly comes first. Fear is the most socially acceptable sin in the church today. It's, like, it's okay to fear. Don't touch a woman who is not married to you, but fear, it's okay. Don't murder, but fear. Talk to Ansasi, but fear is okay. No, 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 my friend. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not judging you, we are all in a journey, but I'm just saying this scripture is of interest to me that they can put the cowardly before the murderers and the, the unsassy people. Verse 41. Verse 41. Mark 4.41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? This is guy they've been with all along. That even the wind and the sea obey him. But this same, who can this be man? See what he says in John 14, 12. But that's what I say to you. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Matthew 11, 11 and 12. He says, assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not reason one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. He's saying John the Baptist is greater than all those Old Testament prophets, greater than Elijah, Elisha, Solomon, David, name it, all of them, greater than Moses. But he says if you are in Christ, you are the least you're greater than here. And then he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until 22nd March 2020, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it by force. As I conclude, this is now the last real conclusion. In fact, you can come and help me move this, this, this thing away and I'm going to invite the team to come as, as we finish our garage this morning. We are saying, where is your faith? Where, where is your faith, child of God? Where is your faith, child of God? Yes, there's a storm. Yes, the, boat is, the, the, the wind is beating about upon that boat. Yes, you're going up and down. But there's Jesus in that boat. And instead of throwing off water, Jesus' expectation is that you and I will do what he did. Get up 
and extend our peace to the storm and say, peace, be still. Friends, I bring you Jesus. The peacemaker, I bring you Jesus. The storm calmer, I bring you Jesus. Who is above COVID-19. Above HIV, above cancer, above economic turmoil, above everything that you may be going through right now. I bring you Jesus. And if you haven't received Jesus, I know there are many of you who are watching me right now, either live or you're watching this video later. In fact, many of you are watching later and you're seeing this segment of this video, this particular segment right now, this part of this video. And you're still playing games with Jesus when he's extending his hand to you. Today is the day of your salvation. Not tomorrow, not any other day. Today is the day of your salvation. Brian, today is the day of your salvation. Stella, today is the day of your salvation. Bernard, today is the day of your salvation. Esther, today is the day of your salvation. Camilla, today is the day of your salvation. Gloria. Joseph, Gloria, yes. today is the day of your salvation. Come to me, says Jesus. Today is the day of your salvation. Peter, today is the day of your salvation. Ibrahim, today is the day of your salvation. Ashley, today is the day of your salvation. James, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. He's calling, he's saying, come, 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 come to me. Come to me, come to me. So I just want you to pray this prayer with me. The Bible declares that with, with the heart, you, you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth you confess unto salvation. So just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for your word to me. Thank you for your invitation to me. Many of you are doing this in your homes. I'm seeing someone in your bedroom. You're doing this. Some of you are gathered together and there are people among you who are making this decision right now. Wherever you are in the homes, everyone bow your head and pray together. Let's all pray together. Tell him again, thank you for extending your invitation to me. Those who are on radio, on Spirit FM, you're listening to me. You've never made a decision. This is the moment. So I give you my life today, Jesus. That I'll be able to walk in this authority and in this peace that you give. Take it. It's there. It's yours. Be my Lord and Savior. I receive your free gift of salvation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Enable me to live this new life that you've given me. Thank you for today. For I believe I've been saved. I believe I'm now born again. I believe I'm a child of God. Amen. Let me sing. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.